Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. To realize that there was someone who saw the hell that was coming for me. Throw himself in front of me and say, oh no, oh hell no, you gotta go through me to get to her. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. You know, we all have a story. And within our story, there are smaller stories that knit together who we are. We have our experience stories. We have our faith stories. We have our life stories. And my guest today is Robin Dykstra, and she has quite a story. For over 25 years, Robin's joy has been teaching thousands of people simple ways of becoming more like Jesus. But getting there has been quite a journey, and I can't wait for you to hear it all. So welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Robin. Nice to be with you, Jill. Oh, so good to see your smiling face. And you know, Robin, I first read and learned about your story. I mean, I knew about you, and I'd heard about you from a speaking perspective, um, but I first really read your story when I read your book, The Widow Wore Pink. Right. And that's kind of a memoir for you, right? It is. It's the whole story of transformation from super stupid to sanctified. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) super stupid. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I've never heard anybody quite say it that way. Um, But you do, you have such a unique story. And um, I would just really love for us to just walk through it and talk through it today, which you and I have really never had a chance to do. Um, So you know, I have to say, and for those that don't know, um, one part, and I think this is where you started in the book, is that you were a Playboy bunny. This is before you knew Jesus, right? Yes, let's be clear. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so I've never met a former Playboy bunny before until I met you. So there you go. Um, but uh, talk about... Uh, how you ended up there 
and and how that played out as part of your story, Robin? I was raised by this brilliant academic. My mom was a PhD. She was very um, educated and believed in education. And I just didn't get that gene. I... (laughs) I just did, I could not I didn't love school I didn't didn't flourish in school so when I graduated from high school um my mom told me I had to go to college so I did but I I I didn't do well so when I came home she said well just get a job and you know figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life before you go back to school and I got this I found this summer job as a teller in a bank to be honest with you but Jill, I've been blonde a lot longer than my hair, and they take that whole balancing thing so seriously. I could <laughs> not balance for the life of me. So they fired me almost immediately, and I was on the hunt, and I came across this ad that said, Playboy Bunnies Wanted, No Experience Necessary. And and I thought, this is perfect because I am cute as a bug, but I do not know how to do anything. So I... I told my mom uh, that I was going to go be a Playboy bunny. I was going to go interview to be a Playboy bunny. And my mom, super liberal. Like if she didn't need that bra so much, she would have burned it. And <laughs> she she was all about affirmative action. She was all about equal rights. And when I came to tell her that I was going to go interview to be a Playboy bunny, I expected to be burned at the stake, to be honest with you. Wow. But my mama loved me like Jesus loves us. And that is to say, she tried to influence a better decision, but she let me exercise my free will. Knowing that if I fell flat on my face, that she would be there to let me come home and pick up the pieces. Ooh, that's so hard for us mamas though, isn't it? It really is. And it Mm. takes such courage to let your kids go knowing Knowing that it's not going to go well, Mm-mm. and it it went it went badly. It it did. I <laughs> I had really only planned to be there for the summer, but I was so good at being walking pornography. Mm. Mm, I did all the things. I mean, I did all the things. I was in the magazine. I did the drugs. I used men. I I mean, I did all the things. I was so desperate to feel as good on the inside as I looked mm. on the outside. And you don't have to be an ex-Playboy bunny to have a season of life where you think, boy, that wasn't the smartest thing I've ever done. You know, we just, I just didn't know. I was so desperate. I ha- ended up running for my life. I ended up, when I was a bunny, I ended up getting married to an ex-con for so- for whom seven years at Joliet State Penitentiary had not rehabilitated. Mm. And it got to the point where um, my smart mouth just ran into his short temper and he started to hit me. And I knew that I was going to die if I stayed. But there was something in me. And I think I I hear this resonate with a lot of abused women where you just think you're going to be the strong one. You're just going to love them into change. You're just going to, you're just going to be a different person or you're going to, you're going to behave better and they, and you won't make them hit you (laughs) again. Right. 
And it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work, work that way. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. If a guy hits you once, he's very likely to hit you again. And your best course of action is to run. So finally, I just called my mom and I, I told her what a mess I was in. And that's exactly what she said. Robin, run. You come home right now. Mm. So I did. I, I quit my job. I sneaked out and I went back to her house and got back in school. And I, I, then all this shame fell on me, you know, how could you be so dumb? How did you let that happen? Didn't you see how this was going to go? So the devil used even my escape to continue to beat me up about the choices that I'd made. Mm. And this is, you know, when I speak at retreats and conferences, this is a recurring theme for women that it is, is. you know, it is huge. Well, and shame in general is just, you know, the work that we do in marriages, almost always when we're dealing with a couple in crisis, one of them is dealing with shame Mm -hmm. in some way. It's just huge. And it's the way that the enemy just tears us down and steals, kills and destroys. He does. That is a favorite verse of mine. Anyway, um, so I tried, I, I just tried to put my life back together. I tried to re, re do normal. I ended up dating this lovely Christian boy who um, date evangelized me. <laughs> okay. And I do not recommend that. Let me just say that right out of the gate. I do not recommend dating evangelism, but he got lucky. And I said yes to Jesus at a Christmas program before we got married. He had proposed on the spot and we got married. And I, I still, I didn't, exp- I didn't have anybody to disciple me. I didn't have anybody right. to teach me what to do with this God that I had just said yes to. I thought, okay, I can still operate my life the way I want to. And then when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I thought I had to wait to die to get the good stuff. I, mm. I didn't have anybody who told me it could be different. So I treated Jesus like a bodyguard, you know, just kind of stay out of my way unless I'm going to, you know, die, then feel free to jump in. But otherwise I got this. And my life just continued to spiral in selfish, shameful ways that Mm -hmm. weren't, that didn't produce good fruit, that weren't, that weren't helpful for my marriage, that weren't helpful for my anything. So finally... I I decided that the only uh, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that was really powerful and drove me to a church. I thought I have tried everything else to make my life work, mm. so why not church? And it was one of those gigantic mega churches. So I sat in a lecture hall for this Bible study, this ladies' Bible study, and. And the lecturer went on about, you know, all the things that she was talking about and went right over my head. I don't know. Um, I kind of joke about this, but whoever does the marketing for Christians should should really revise the plan. Because as a new believer, I came in and they told me I was going to get washed in blood. I was going to have to be nice to my enemies and that I was going to get invaded by a spirit. I mean, <laughs> what? Right. Right. No. This makes no, no. sense. Right. But I was so desperate. I just kept going. 
And they put me in a small group with seven or eight beautiful women. Most of them were much older than me, but there were a couple who were raising teenagers, but most of them were grandmas, young grandmas. And they did not know what to do with me. I didn't look (laughs) like them. I didn't dress like them. I didn't talk like them. I didn't even smell like them. I mean, nobody else came in with a hangover. Nobody else came in smelling like pot. Nobody else, right? So I... I came in and they took me on like a project and never made me feel like one. They made me feel, it was so sweet. And they, they made me feel like I belonged there. They didn't tell me I had to change. They didn't tell me I had to memorize scripture. They didn't tell me I had, they just, they, they just made their lives look so appealing that I wanted to be like them. Yes. And, and so they I felt like I belonged and they invited me over to their house for socials and they, you know, they called me during the week and they they just made me feel like I could be like them. And the more I spent time with them, the belonging, the more I wanted to believe all the things that they believed mm-hmm. so that I could have the life that they had and then eventually mm-hmm. I started to behave like they behaved. So wow. they they did it in just the right order. Y- you've seen uh, circus elephants, right? Where there's a lead elephant mm-hmm. and then she sticks her little tail out and then the one behind her hooks the trunk on. And I just followed the lead elephant. That's all I did. I wow. just, whatever they did, I fell into step and did it. So I learned to read the Bible with understanding and I learned to pray with um, boldness. And I, mm-hmm. I learned who God was and I learned who Jesus was for real. And I learned who I was to him. And my life took such oh. a dramatic change that it, it, it was just, I mean, it wasn't all good, but it was all good. You know, yes. when you know you're not alone. And for a girl like me, who was desperate to find love and acceptance and belonging um, in a man usually, but, Mm -hmm. you know, shopping, drugs, alcohol, whatever. But to realize that there was someone who saw the hell that was coming for me, Mm -hmm. throw himself in front of me and say, oh, no, oh, hell, no, you got to go through me to get to her mm-hmm. to be loved so deeply that someone would lay down their life to pay for my mistakes it fills you in a way that makes the other junk the other sin the other mm-hmm. stuff right. so less appealing because right. it it's it displaces the longing for what doesn't help you mm-hmm. with the things that do. Mm. So that's, that's so, kind of my story in a nutshell. <laughs> well, that's Yeah, that's the first part of your story in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's, let's pause here for a second. Because the thing that really struck me there is, well, a couple things. One, how powerful it is when we are accepted as we are right but but shown in a loving way mm-hmm. something different right and 
and you felt comfortable, you were accepted and you felt comfortable exploring some of these other things because of being accepted. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing that comes to my mind. The second thing that comes to my mind is, you know, we truly are, we become like the people we hang with. Oh, that's so true. Right? That is so true. Because that whole, so can I just dovetail on that? The acceptance yes. thing, when you learn to be accepted, when you realize you can be accepted for who you are, not what you do, not what you look like. My marriage, oh my gosh, my marriage got so much better when I could transfer the love that I had received to someone else. Yes. Right? Just unbelievable change to be patient and kind and tolerant and not not self-protective. Just so much different for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and just being, you change the environment you were in, right? Yes. Because- when you were in the, um, well, the Playboy environment, I mean, we're talking drugs and alcohol and all of the other things. Now you're in a, you're in an environment with Christian women. And so you're, you're starting to take on who you are hanging with, right? Exactly. So like Paul, I can't remember where the verse is in Corinthians, but Paul says, the event, you know, the apostle Paul Mm -hmm. says, Mm -hmm. follow me as I follow Jesus. And exactly. So I'm not following Paul. I'm following, I'm following, I'm just the third in line. Paul's following Jesus and I'm going to follow Paul because I don't, I don't have direct that. But that's exactly what these women did for me. They're like, follow us and we're following Jesus the best we can. And nobody's perfect. And there were some little judgy kinds of things, you know, mm-hmm. but they made me, they made me want to be more like Jesus. Yeah. So things got so, so good. So, so good. I mean, I could not wait to tell other women everything that I had just discovered, like that God, Mm -hmm. there's a God who loves you and that you could be, you could receive this forgiveness for your mess. And it's never too late for a fresh start. That was big for me, for a girl like me, never too late for a fresh start. Thank you. That, Mm -hmm. that'll preach. Um, and things got so good. We had two kids, a cat that didn't get into the trash. My husband was on his way to being salesman of the year for a Fortune 500 company. People mm. were actually calling me for advice on the Bible and how to make their life work. This was a couple of years down the road. It, you know, you're, it's always a work in progress. And and just when I think things can't get any better, that's when the testing comes, as you are well mm-hmm. aware. And mm-hmm. for me, the testing was that my sweet man died of a heart attack. Uh, he was 39 and I didn't see it coming. And mm. I just thought there wouldn't be enough of me left to go on. You know, when two become one and half of you dies, what yeah. does the other half do? But the Holy Spirit fell on me almost immediately, like a warm, fuzzy blanket. You know, that peace that surpasses understanding. Mm-hmm. That we don't understand. Yep. Yep. It came in power. And even, and God is so gracious, he knew that that probably wouldn't even be enough for me because I am needy. And he mobilized this whole <laughs> army of women to come and they 
they prayed for me and they brought me chicken salad sandwiches and took my kids to the circus and play dates and celebrated my birthday. So he was with me in his presence, you know, that Holy Spirit, peaceful understanding, comfort, but he was mm. also with me with his people. And you can't, you can't do this life without community. You just yeah, need to be it. in community. And all the people, all the women that I had been serving for years, maybe five or six years by that time, they saw me with my big need and they rallied and they came and uh, they, they took care of me for a year and mm. I made it. And I just, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought that I, w- I could have done it. I, I, nobody, right. You know, like I look at your story and I think, uh, I'm out. No, just no, I'm out. But I think grace isn't something that you can accumulate on deposit. I think it's the gift that God gives you at the moment that you need that it. That you need it. Yep, I would agree. And so, yeah, you, you, I don't have the grace to walk out what you've walked out because I haven't needed it and, and vice versa. Right. But we can trust that God will be the gap feel the gap filler. Exactly. And, and he will fit into whatever that gap is in our life. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I, I made it and um, I did, I didn't know, you know, the Bible says, I think in Jeremiah that he has a plan and it's good. And I mm-hmm. could not figure out what that would be. So in the absence of a new plan, I just kept doing the last thing that God told me to do. And that was mm. teach the Bible, raise, raise my kids, teach the Bible, go to work, mm-hmm. you know, raise my kids, wow. teach the Bible, go to work. So I just kept doing that and doing that and doing that. Yeah. And, um, eventually I did, I ended up in a Bible study with a bunch of other motorcyclists. I have a pilot's license and a motorcycle endorsement. And I was in a group with a bunch of other motorcyclists and there was this, there was a guy in there who didn't like me. He thought I was bossy and he talked that I talked too much. Can you imagine that? I just, <laughs> no, I Robin, I, I just cannot I understand get, that. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit kept telling him uh, every time he opened his Bible, it was all about widows and the fatherless and widows and the fatherless. And you're supposed to help widows and the fatherless. And, and finally he's like, oh my gosh, this is awful. But he came to me after class one night and he said, Uh, I mean, really, he took this deep breath and he's like, okay, I can do this. And he said, look, I am single and I, I am a, come from a long line of carpenters and I like kids. And if there's something I can do for you that you need help with, you just let me know. And I Mm -hmm. will do my best to make that happen. And I jumped on that. I said, do you babysit? That was the first thing I thought of. And and he said, well, don't teenage girls do that? And I said, well, yeah, they do. But everybody tells you my boys were 9 and 12 at that time. Yeah. Very, very delicate transitional years. And everybody was saying, oh, my gosh, you need a man in their lives. You need a masculine influence in your life. You need to get them in Boy Scouts or right. I don't know what, but where are you going to get a masculine and so I see this guy standing in front of me and he's always dressed in camo and he's talking about going to deer camp and he rides a motorcycle. And I mean, what's not to love about that? So I said, you gotta, I, can you come over on nights when I work late or, you know, when I go out with my girlfriends and just keep them company? Well, he said, fine, that he did that. And he, he came over a couple of times and my boys 
loved him. Aww. He was so funny. Took him to, to testosterone hangouts and they didn't, you know, gun and knife shows and pawn shops. And, and he, it was just so good. And then one night after he left, my littlest one said, mom, we just love Mr. Dave. Could we keep him for a pet? And I thought, <laughs> well, no, we can't keep him for a pet, but there might be another way for us to spend time with him. And <laughs> I'm happy to report that Dave and I have been married for 20 years now. And the, he adopted the boys and it felt very much like God had put our lives back together. And it's not that everything goes swimmingly smooth all the time, but we are both committed to the Lord. We are both committed to each other and we are both very much in tune with how the spirit is leading. We've been in full-time ministry for seven years now together, mm. just um, spreading the word. Who is Jesus? And um, teaching the Bible and proclaiming that it is never too late for a fresh start if you just give Jesus the chance. Uh, such a powerful, powerful reminder for all of us. So, wow. Thank you so much for just, you know, sharing your story. I just, I think more people need to hear it and need to, and I love hearing it in your voice. You know, like I said, I read it in your book um, many years ago, but it's always wow. stuck with me. I mean, I, I yeah. don't even remember how long ago it was that I read it, but it was quite a few years ago. And um, so very, very powerful. So, you know, you've, you've had a lot of ups and downs and if you had to, I don't know, just talk about a few takeaways from what you've learned, a few principles of life or a few lessons learned that you're really passionate about, that you really want people to know and to understand, what does that kind of distill down to for you? Well, the first one is that it is never too late to start over. Almost all of us have a season of life that we have made a wrong turn or a bad decision or fallen prey to deception and felt like we should have known better or should have done better. And that often keeps us from approaching Jesus because we want to clean ourselves up before we, before we come back mm -hmm. home. Yes. And so the first thing I would say is that just he already knows it all. You don't have to hide it from him. He already paid for it. So instead of living in that pit that you've made for yourself, yeah. um, quit putting up, quit decorating the pit and get out of it. Yeah. And, and come back home. So that would be the first thing that mm. it's never too late for a fresh start with Jesus. And the other thing is to live in community, to be really intentional, to form your pod or your posse or your group or your whatever it is, but to do life together because mm -hmm. you need people who will celebrate your victories and commiserate your miseries. And you cannot do that on the own. And when you are the only voice in your head, yeah. you become a really easy target for the enemy. I think it's First Peter 5, 8 that says the enemy is like a lion that prowls yes. looking, for, looking for someone to devour. And I'll tell you, I am married to a hunter and we watch a lot of videos on how to kill stuff. And you <laughs> never 
ever, ever see the lion or the tiger or the any predator attack the animal that's in the middle of the herd or the pack. You never mm. see him going after that fat, sassy, sleek, funny, popular, connected animal in the center. They are always going to go after the one on the fringe. They're always going to go after the one that's weak, mm. that's isolated, that's feeble. So yes, the get yourself into community. And if you can't, if you can't, um, I think church has great communities, Sunday schools, small groups, Bible studies, book clubs, discipleship programs. But, you know, if, if even if you join a bowling league or um, like volunteer at a, a hospital or something, there are mm -hmm. places where you can find like-minded people who will lift you up when you're down and um, celebrate when you're not. I actually, you know, we hear a lot about accountability partners in the mm -hmm. Christian world, right? You got to have somebody who will keep you accountable. I, I'm pretty good at staying on track and I'm my own worst enemy. I'm a, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So when I have a, a, a moment or a day where I have made a mistake, um, blown it, talked mm -hmm. before my, you know, engaged my mouth before my brain, one of those things that are just, um, ben felt some rejection of some sort. I have a, I have uh, one girlfriend that I call my affirmation partner, not accountability partner, my affirmation partner. And I can call her in tears and say, just tell me anything good about me today. <laughs> just, just give me a couple of things that I can hang on to. Ooh, and you don't get that. Powerful. You don't mm -mm. get that if you... I mean, it's hard to ask. It's hard to make that call and say, it is. tell me something good <laughs> about me. Right. Um, but when, but when you struggle with negative self-talk, it's really important that you have some people in your life that can do that. Bingo. It and is. I mean, and God is that. And if we read his word, he will yep. tell us who we are that you know, because that's, that's super important for us to understand, but sometimes we need to hear that verbally and we need that, we need somebody to be Jesus with skin on, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and not your husband, cause he has to say that, you know, or he's on the couch. but someone, someone outside your house that can really affirm you. Mm -hmm. So, um, come to Jesus with your stuff, never too late for a fresh start. Always uh, find yourself your community. And the last thing is just the practical discipleship things. Read your Bible. Just, yeah. no, I, I'm, I'm not an overachiever. I read one chapter a day. It takes me three years to get through the Bible, and I'm okay with that. Just read one chapter a day. Um, you know, maybe do a little Bible study. Who knows? But know what the Bible says, not to memorize the genealogy of Jesus or pass a test on the minor prophets, but to see God's heart, to yeah. see his character, to see his, his intentions for your life. Yeah. And, and then, um, then you can approach him in prayer. Like you're familiar, like you, you are not afraid to come yes. to him with your stuff. So yes. those are the and that's so very important. You know, 
And Mark often talks, my husband, Mark talks about, you know, his journey, you know, he had his midlife crisis 10 years ago and so much, I mean, he had done a ton of healing work from his childhood, but he had no idea how much he still had the face of his stepfather and his father on the face of God. And that was one of his big things after he made his U-turn and he, and he started to head back in the right direction is he was like, I don't even know who God is. I, I have to, I have to get rid of my preconceptions. Right. And he just dug in, you know, to God's word. And it was like, he, he was trying his hardest to just let, be like, I don't even know who you are, God. I, I've got mm-hmm. to discover who you are because I've made you into something. I've made you into the image of me. Like, yeah. I, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. The image of what I imagined in my head. And right. so um, that has been such, and, and the more he's come to know God, the more peace He's personally experienced like when we go on that journey, that's so very powerful. And I'll even add, I mean, I love, yeah, if you read about a chapter a day, it does take about three years to get through the Bible, which is great. Sometimes I just read a few verses a day and it is enough that I go, oh, I got to sit with that. I got to be like, Lord, okay, what does that mean for me? Mm -hmm. Like I... What is it that I am that, you know, where I'm not applying your truth or this truth to my life? And so sometimes it doesn't even have to be, um, you know, big chunks. Sometimes little pieces can really mess with you if you'll let them like, and and we want that. We want it to mess with us because we want it to challenge our thinking and to challenge our, our wrong thinking and the lies. Did Mark use like a, a discipleship coach or a, a spiritual director or a life coach or anything? Because gosh, I think that's so helpful when you're in the weeds with your own stuff and you can't even do the self-awareness work to find out yes. who God created you to be. It's no, yes. no harm in finding somebody Asking to for help. guide you through. Yeah. Yeah, he had three guys that um, met with him during that season of time. And he he often says that they each had their own little role, you know, that they played. Yeah. Um, but for Mark, um, he ended up, uh, he really loves the reading or the writings of Andrew Murray. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being very, very powerful for him. And he felt like that kind of almost like Andrew Murray. I mean, he, Andrew, Andrew Murray was like an 1800s pastor, right? but you know, he wrote uh, quite a few books and Mark felt like it was almost like Andrew Murray mentored him. <laughs> gotcha. And I've heard that before too, uh, but I, um, some, some personalities really need a little bit of help. Personality. Yeah. I agree. And that's what we do as coaches, like both Mark and I do individual coaching. And sometimes it's just a matter of pushing back against people's preconceptions, asking the questions that help them to think deeper and pointing them in the right direction to discover it for themselves. Right. Exactly. And it's Mm -hmm. so helpful. You get progress so much faster when you work with a coach. What's that African proverb? If you want to go I don't know what it is. If you want to go far, go alone. But if you want to go 
No, if you want to go yes. fast or alone, if you want to go far, go with somebody else. Oh, yes. A coach there you go. or a guide can really expedite the process. Yeah. Absolutely. Which when you go back to even your story is exactly what happened when you placed yourself in that Bible study and you were in that small group, you were surrounded by coaches and women that, that did that for you. So. Yeah, I'm a big fan of being somewhere in the circus parade elephant. You know, you may not be the lead elephant, but where I want to always be following somebody and I want somebody coming behind me because mm-hmm. you got to be continuing to learn and you got to be passing it on. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, this has been such a good conversation, Robin. We could talk for a lot longer. I think you and I have no trouble talking. So (laughs) (laughs) So true. (laughs) But um, I would love if you would just close us out and pray for our listeners that are, I mean, we're all on the journey somewhere. Um, But if you would just pray for them and um, close us out today. Oh, but before you do that, yeah. I, I want I want people to know where can they best find you? Like where do you hang out online? Yeah, yeah I'm on Facebook, but you can find me also on robindykstra.com. I do a weekly devotional that you can get every Sunday morning um, right into your inbox if you're okay. if you want a little their true stories of life lessons from my life and other people's lives. So if you want to feel good about progress that you're making uh, and learn from my mistakes, I'm happy to share. Wonderful. (laughs) So we'll make sure and put a link to that in your show notes to your website and um, your social media and all that good stuff. So that'd be great. Okay. Fabulous. Will you pray? Yeah. Jesus, 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 we thank you that you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Mm -hmm. that you are Savior and Redeemer and lover and friend and every single thing that we need. God, if we need healing, you are there. And if we need restoration, you are there, freely giving your forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So God, we ask that um, as we works in progress, continue to fail forward, stumble forward, move forward, go forward, that you would not only guide, but that you would cover our weaknesses, that you would encourage us to come back to you with fervor and um, like childlike faith. When little kids mm-hmm. come to parents, they don't think, am I going to eat today? Is my mom going to like me today? If we could, if you could give us that sense of childlike faith, faith that you love us so well. Yeah. God, we thank you in advance for all that you've given us and all that's yet to come. Mm-hmm. In your holy name we pray, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.